And as mentioned through the children's message, uh, we are studying and working through the book of Joshua. And we continue the series on this book today and reading from Joshua 5. And as we enter into Joshua 5, we read that the surrounding nations um, became aware of the amazing things that God does. We're reminded in the children's message, we have a faithful God. And then even in the surrounding nations heard that. Joshua 5 verse 1, we read, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear. And they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. God's power and his strength were impacting the surrounding nations. Our reading this morning follows this verse 1. And we're going to be reading from Joshua 5, uh, verses 2 to 15, which seems to be kind of a random passage here because it's about circumcision. It's also about the Passover. So this morning we're going to be looking at these two ceremonies, and we're going to try to understand the significance in the biblical context and today in our context. But before we read, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, bless the reading and the preaching, the listening and the living out of your word again this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Joshua 5, we start at verse 2 to 12. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during this journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt, had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their places, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. And on the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this. They ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. As mentioned, this passage, and as heard as we read, this passage deals with two ceremonies. Circumcision and the Passover. And we're not going to specifically get into the, all the details about these two ceremonies. Rather, we're going to look at the bigger picture, which is renewal of the covenant. Now, we've already said that the book of Joshua is about new beginnings. And this passage, too, represents a new start for the people of Israel. A little more context. The, people, the Jewish people were on a journey 
from their wandering life in the wilderness to a new and promised land. In Joshua 2, spies had already been sent out to scope out the city of Jericho in this land, and plans were made with Rahab, a resident in Jericho. In Joshua 4, Israel then crossed the Jordan River. And having crossed, you think then that maybe Joshua and his military folks would want to just keep pressing on and make their way to Jericho and just take it over. But sure, they are on a military mission. But more importantly, they're on a mission from God. And their mission and calling are about being obedient to God and being obedient to his mission. And any mission from God is at God's time and according to his plans, according to his will. And as God's chosen people, they were called to be obedient. So here we have this passage. It's about the renewal of the covenant. And it's a new start. It's reaffirming God's faithfulness. It's a new start about the people being obedient and faithful to their part of the covenant. So let's first look at the covenant. God made an everlasting covenant with the Israelites. He made this centuries earlier through Abram. And you can read that complete story in Genesis 17. Basically, God said, I am God Almighty, and I'm going to give you this land and increase your numbers, and even a king will come from this line. That was God's part of the covenant. Now, the second part of the covenant was obedience and faith on behalf of Abraham and his descendants. So in simple terms, I think the covenant is well summarized as, I am your God, you are my people. God will remain faithful to his promises, and he commands his people to respond in obedience and faith. Now, as you read further in Genesis 17, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And circumcision set apart God's chosen people. They set people apart as God's chosen people from from other nations. Now, as time goes on, the Israelites become slaves in Egypt. And God had not forgotten his people. He had not forsaken his people. And he provides another leader named Moses. And you can read the story of Moses and Israel's captivity in the book of Exodus. In Egypt, God's covenant sign of circumcision continued to be practiced on all Jewish males at eight days old. In addition, another part of the covenant came into realization. And the covenant was reaffirmed with the Passover meal. The Passover meal was celebrated immediately before the Israelites were to leave Egypt. And the final plague on the death of the firstborn son was going to occur. And this was a case of when God was going to separate his chosen people of Israel from other nations, in this case, the Egyptians. If Israel obeyed God and put blood on their doorposts, then the Lord would pass over their family. Exodus 12, 13. And then the people were asked, or rather uh, commanded, to remember God's faithfulness, to remember the promises of the covenant. And God's part in ensuring the covenant was not broken. So the people and their whole family were to celebrate the Passover every year following that for generations to come. It was to be a week-long party and, and no working during that time. And they were instructed to obey the Passover instructions once they entered into the promised land. 
Exodus 12, 25. This, was, this celebration was another opportunity for the people to, again, retell the stories of God's faithfulness. To retell the stories of God's faithfulness to the next generations. But what happened, due to Israel's disobedience, they didn't enter the promised land when they could have. And so Israel ended up in the wilderness for some 40 years. And so here they are now, 40 years after leaving Egypt, having now entered the promised land of Canaan, and both circumcision and the Passover had not been observed for the past 40 years. Again, it's not that God broke his covenant with his people. God's promises, they never fail, and they haven't failed again. The covenant was still intact. But the people had become hard-hearted and disobedient. The people who left Egypt, they didn't keep their part of the covenant. And so anybody who left Egypt, they didn't enter the promised land. And everyone who entered the promised land was born in the wilderness. And again, during this 40-year span, circumcision and the Passover was not observed. So here we are, Joshua 5. Every male from 0 to 40 years old were to be circumcised. Again, circumcision was about being obedient to the covenant of God. And then one of the stipulations to take part in the Passover meal was that the males were required to be circumcised. Again, representing their obedience to the covenant. Now, you might think this was rather ritualistic, and it is. I mean, rituals were part of ancient civilization and, and even for Israel. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant that reaffirmed every time I am your God. You are my people. Circumcision gave a person and those who were observing this sign and seal their identity as God's chosen people, God's chosen children. This ceremony was an event that reaffirmed the covenant and gave all the people of Israel a new start. The Passover is a sign to all people that God doesn't break his covenantal promises. The Passover points back to the days in Egypt when uh, God saved all the firstborn of the Israelites, providing the families were obedient and put blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And then the Passover, it not only looks backward to the days in Egypt, but it looks forward. It looks forward to the fulfillment of this covenant when the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, will once and for all be sacrificed for all the sins of the people. You see, with the blood of Jesus, no more blood had to be spilled, whether it be through circumcision or the Passover lamb. So here we have Joshua 5. There was a whole generation that did not know their identity as chosen people. There was a whole generation who were not reaffirmed that they were sons and daughters of God and that God was completely a faithful God. Now, of course, they knew about God and they knew all the things that he did. He led them through the wilderness. He provided the manna and the water. Um, he, he just led them through the Jordan River, the floods of the Jordan. But the covenant was not reaffirmed to them through circumcision 
or the Passover celebrations. Before they could proceed with anything more, before they could begin to claim their promised land, their identity and knowledge of their faithful God had to be attended to. The mark of the covenant for 40 years was not upon the people. There was unfinished business that needed to be taken care of. Again, this is a passage about reaffirmation of the covenant from God and a new start of obedience and faith from his people. So the people needed to be reaffirmed that God is their God and that they are indeed God's chosen people. God had chosen these people of Israel. God made a covenant with with this nation centuries earlier and he had a plan for his chosen people. And he had promised them, part of this plan, he had promised them that they will inherit the land of Canaan. And they were not to take over the land and conquer the people simply for plunder and power. They were to claim this land because this was part of God's plan. And they were called to respond in obedience to God. And the plan was that the Israel nation would then continue. The plan was that eventually, I mean, multiple kings, but eventually the king of kings, who was a sacrificial lamb, would be born from this nation. So again, the next steps of their mission was not about plunder and power, but rather the next steps were about obedience and faith. The people were preparing themselves to do the Lord's work. The Lord is faithful in his promises, and the people are called to respond in being faithful to their promises. God's faithfulness and their faith were visible through the signs of circumcision and the Passover. So how does this all translate to today? Well, I can't make the leap that this passage itself points us to baptism and the Lord's Supper today. The passage doesn't do it. But I do believe that circumcision and the Passover are clearly linked to baptism and the Lord's Supper. But again, that's not what this passage is about, but we will refer to that shortly. The principle behind this passage is that God is faithful. We heard it through the kids' message. God is faithful to his chosen people. And before anybody or any church moves forward, we, know, we need to know that God is our God, that we are his people. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus is the head of this church. And as we move forward in any part of the mission, we're to move forward with God's mission. Be obedient to him, having faith in him. And if we don't know who we are and whose we are, then how can we even possibly understand our mission, God's mission? How can we even begin to live in obedience to God. Now, again, in the Old Testament, the mission was one of conquest and ensuring that a remnant of Israel was maintained for the coming of Christ. New Testament comes. New Testament, Christ has come. There is no Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female or circumcised or uncircumcised. The Old Testament conquest of land has now changed to New Testament justice and mercy. 
The Old Testament mission of conquest has changed to a New Testament mission of love. The greatest command, right? We have it given to us. The greatest command. Love God and love one another. And this cannot be done by conquering and it cannot be done unjustly. And Jesus Christ himself, he gives us several examples in the Gospels of justice and mercy and love and grace. So Joshua 5, this passage, it's a renewal of the covenant. It's a new beginning where God is claiming you, you as his children. He is claiming you as his son, as his daughter. You are chosen, you are dearly loved. That's God's part of the covenant. And our response is to be one of obedience and faith. Exercising justice and mercy and love. So that's the question we're left with today. People, how are you going to respond today to your part of the covenant? How is your obedience and faith going to be evident in your lives today? How is it going to be evident in our church as a body, in this community, in this world? May today be a new beginning in our obedience and our faith. Now, in addition to these two ceremonies that are talked about in this passage, representing covenantal renewal and obedience and faith, I think we have to look at a couple of other things that also occur in this passage regarding God's faithfulness and His people's faith. The first is that you've got to remember that the Israelites have entered into enemy or pagan territory. Pagan territory and those who are against, not for God, they're against God and they're enemies, of course. So it's pagan territory. There are several nations in this land that they're not God-fearing nations. And currently all the males in the whole nation of Israel, all the males were circumcised. This meant that they were out of commission for at least a few days. There was no Israeli army that was able to fight. Any military campaign by Israel, the Israel, Israeli army, was, was impossible. So this was a perfect time for other nations to take advantage of this situation and overpower Israel. Israel could have been obliterated on account of this one ceremony. And this would have been going through the mind of the Israelite people as well. They knew what was going to be happening. But Israel was not conquered. The surrounding nations heard the amazing things that God was doing, and they were not God-fearing, meaning that they did not have faith, but they were afraid. And they weren't going to come close to the people of Israel, even while the army was immobilized. So the people of Israel, they were obedient and they were faithful in this ceremony of the circumcision. And this was another amazing act of, of God's protection and his faithfulness to his people. Israel was likely at one of its weakest moments. And God protects the weak. The next thing has to do with the Passover and what follows that. The Jewish people celebrated the Passover. Again, being reminded of their faithful God, the, a God who protects and keeps his promises. In this passage, immediately following the Passover, 
The people of Israel eat from the produce of the land. And manna is no longer provided. Recall that God provided them manna every single day for 40 years. They ate the same thing. Now he provided them a land that has its own produce. For 40 years, their way of life was receiving manna from God. That's all that they knew. And now that's stopped. In faith, the people needed to relearn and harvest from the land. And they could do this in faith because they have a faithful God. He always provided for them. He will provide again. So God doesn't need to send them manna from heaven. He has given this land flowing with milk and honey. He has given this land which is able to produce and they can eat now from this land. This is a completely new way of life for Israel. This is a completely new way of life for Israel spiritually and physically. God's amazing grace and his faithfulness continues through all generations. Despite people's disobedience. That's God's grace. The Passover, the ceremony, increased people's faith and knowledge of God. The people respond in faith by eating from the land. It's an act of faith. As we, God's chosen people, His church, as we move forward to the next steps in our journey, as believers and as a church, we need to be reminded of God's new covenant through Christ. Now, our signs and seals, as mentioned, I was going to bring this up, our signs and seals continue to be baptism and they continue to be Lord's Supper, in which through these ceremonies, through these celebrations, we remember God's amazing grace to us through Jesus. These celebrations help us remember what God has called us to be, that God has called us his chosen ones. He has called us his church, his sons, his daughters. People, your identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is not in your power, or it's not in popularity, it's not in your vocation, your identity is not in your financial wealth. It's not even in your identity as a male or female or in your sexuality. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And he has claimed you as his own. And his promises are for you today. We profess in the Reformed Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And our God has promised, he's promised that all our sins are forgiven through Christ's once and for all sacrifice, through his death on the cross. And now as his people, you need to claim these promises in faith. And maybe today can be a new start for each person. You need to have faith in these promises. And before you take another step in your journey, turn to God Seek him. Know that you are his. And respond in obedience and faith to him. And whatever battles might be ahead of you on this journey, and Israel was, they had a, you're going to hear about battles before them. But whatever battles might be ahead of you on this journey, know that God is in control. He's got it. 
And when we celebrate baptism and when we celebrate Lord's Supper, we celebrate the faithfulness of our God. We celebrate his covenantal promises. We celebrate that he is our God, that we are his chosen people. We celebrate that we are people who are saved. And there may be challenges and difficult circumstances before us, but our salvation is guaranteed. God has won the battle against the devil through his son, Jesus Christ. The devil has been defeated and we have been assured of our salvation. Philippians 3, verse 3, we read these words, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. You see, our confidence and our faith is in the one who saves, Jesus Christ. Circumcision was once the physical sign on the body, but now it's a spiritual sign on the heart. With Jesus, it's not the external signs that he looks at. It is the internal signs. What is in our heart? And does Jesus have control of our heart and our life? Do we put our trust in Jesus? As God's covenantal people, we are called to respond in obedience. And these ceremonies and celebrations, they're not substitutes for faith in Jesus. They increase our faith in Jesus. They remind us of who we are and whose we are. Next week, we have the privilege to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is a feast. It's a celebration for all families, all young and old. And throughout this week, let's prepare our hearts And let's tell the next generation what this celebration means. Tell the next generation how they too can celebrate the promises of God. That they too are God's chosen children. That they too are deeply loved by God. That Jesus Christ, he was born, he lived, he died, and he rose again for his people. That all our sins are forgiven by God's amazing grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise be to our covenantal and faithful God. Amen.